This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. All right, folks, welcome back. To the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv. I am your host, your humble host, Dustin Gold, ready to expose and to talk about the technocracy. This is the final chapter. Finally, I was going to do a three-part series on Elon Musk's Neuralink, his AI brain chip company, And then it turned into four parts. And then it turned into five parts. So this is the fifth part. This is the final chapter because we need to move on. So tomorrow, I believe I will be focusing on a company called AI Foundation. AI Foundation headed up by a man named Lars Butler. That's with two T's. Lars, A-L-A-R-S, Butler, B-U-T-T-L-E-R. And he is the head of AI Foundation, which is a tech company focused on mind twinning, which is right in line with what we've discussed and falls into line with Ray Kurzweil, the chief engineer at Google, and Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher of the World Economic Forum, and Elon Musk, the technocracy's Tony Stark slash Iron Man, and their dream of uploading their consciousness into the AI hive mind cloud-based neocortex. And so Lars Butler is a very interesting character because he has stayed off of people's radar over the last several years. Lars has been involved in the video game industry, the crypto industry. He has this company, AI Foundation, which was working on deepfake video, deepfake audio, and artificial intelligence mainframe sort of brain-twinning software to run the deepfake and deepfake audio and deepfake video portions of the project. So, in a sense, what he was doing was basically you or a subject in which he chose, but they utilized this company 
to say that they're going to help you build a mind twin of yourself, you would upload at this stage in the project, you would upload sort of everything you know, everything you've learned, any books you've read, any books you've written, etc., 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 into their big data database. And then that would create an AI-powered twin of yourself in their cloud. And then that twin would be utilized to power... So it's the brain behind a deep fake video of you and a deep fake audio of your voice. So for people that are not familiar with deep fake, I've done interviews on deep fake, I believe, with Mike Moore right here on pain.tv as well as um, on a show on Long Island News Radio that Maria Albanese set up for me a few years ago. And I was familiar with deepfake technology before it became mainstream and put into the American lexicon because I had a comedy production business uh, running pretty heavy from 2009 to 2015, 16. And one of the services we provided were voice impersonators of political and pop culture characters. We did a lot of work for Conan O'Brien's show uh, before Jay Leno retired, uh, The Tonight Show. We provided some voices for Jimmy Kimmel, for Jimmy Fallon, for David Letterman before he retired. And we also would work for commercial production studios who were putting together radio and television advertisements as well as for political campaigns. So we were very well known in that industry. In fact, it was the New Yorker magazine, I believe, several years ago, deemed me the Don King of the political impersonation business because under my company, William Gold Entertainment, and my comedy troupe, Politico's Comedy Brigade, we had a wide range of natural-born lookalikes to to, uh, political characters. We had comedic actors that would put on wigs like Saturday Night Live and perform. And then we had voice actors ranging from people that could do comedic impressions of Barack Obama to sounding pretty much exactly like people like Donald Trump or Barack Obama. So this company, AI Foundation, approached us a few years back and they wanted to utilize our services. Uh, They wanted my Barack Obama uh, lookalike impersonator to do 3D facial scans of him to help build the deep fake fake video portion of the project. And they wanted a voice actor I have out of Phoenix, Arizona, who has a radio show who does a dead-on Barack Obama impression. I'm actually going to interview him soon about how sort of this deep fake audio is pushing voice actors out of the industry, once again, eliminating humans and their skills and being replaced by artificial intelligence. So we will talk to him soon. But anyway, AI Foundation at that time approached us with wanting this voice actor to do 30 hours of speech into their system to help train their system to be able to create an entire vocal 
vocabulary of Barack Obama and then utilize the uh, look-alike physical impersonator for 3D scans to be able to build this deepfake video. And the way it works, uh, there's, there's various pieces. I will do a whole show on this. Let me take a note there. Let's do a show on deepfake. And the whole thing with deepfake in simple terms is these engineers can take a 30-second YouTube clip of, say, me right here. They could pull this off of YouTube, and then they can load this video clip into a specialized software. And there's many versions of this now. A lot of this stemmed out of the Max Planck Institute in Germany and then also out of a couple of universities here in the United States. And then what they would do is they could then create almost a wireframe of you from that video, and then they could take a voice recording. So say there was somebody who could do an impression of me, or they were going to take a me speaking, chop up the audio clip and make it sound like I said something that I did not say. They could then load that into the video software, and then the video software would render a video of me that looked like I was actually saying exactly what that audio clip said then there were companies called uh, one was called Liarbird. Uh, google was working on this adobe was working on this called deepfake i just call it deepfake audio and basically they could take a 30 second clip of me speaking and then create a synthetic version of my voice in which they can then load text-based content and make it sound exactly like me saying it. So then you merge the deepfake video with the deepfake audio, right? So you take a clip of my audio, and you build out a vocal library of me, and then you take the deepfake video of me, which can be manipulated to lip-sync exactly what the audio clip says, load in text, and then it will render out a video of me speaking the words, looks like me, moves like me, sounds like me, and then is saying what the script that somebody wrote says. And if that's not freaky enough, what AI Foundation was building was an AI backbone that powers the deepfake synthetic representation of me or of you. And so they were working, supposedly, this is what we were told, with Barack Obama, who was going to come in, and he was going to then, for three days, help refine the system that we helped train, and they were going to have an exact replica of Barack Obama that, for instance, let's just say Tucker Carlson or Anderson Cooper or whatever trading card hero on television you love so much was going to interview Barack Obama, they could actually put him on TV as this deepfake representation of Barack Obama and then interview him, and it would actually be answering the questions in real time based on the AI mind frame, the backbone, the brain that was powering the deepfake video so that there would have to be no manual uh, like my voice actor would not have to be sitting there and speaking and controlling the deep fake video puppet that the questions would be answered in real time from the artificial intelligence with the deep fake video and audio skin over the top. And so it's essentially a, a digital projection, a robot 
Um, and it was going to be developed by loading everything that Barack Obama ever read, studied, was involved with, speeches he gave, speeches he listened to, so that it could actually answer questions as if it was Barack Obama with complete and total accuracy was the goal. And that is what is called a mind twin. So you upload your consciousness. This is what Kurzweil, this is what Harari, this is what Musk, this is what Peter Thiel and others talk about, is uploading your consciousness. Now, they want to end up doing it in a much more streamlined fashion than the way that Musk is doing it, which we've talked about in this show. Uh, or the way that that AI Foundation is doing it, in which it's it's sort of done in a manual way, and what they want to be able to do is have this AI brain chip, this neural link in your head that actually pulls all your memories and your thoughts and your knowledge out of your brain and uploads it into this cloud-based um, server. And so we have to get into AI Foundation next, and I have to introduce you to Lars Butler. Now, one of the other interesting pieces of Lars Butler, uh, another billionaire technocrat who on his bio calls himself a humanist. He is anything but, as we said yesterday, the human evolution of humans, which is the engineering of humanity out of existence, is nothing more than technocratic genocide technocratic genocide and so he is not a humanist he is an anti-humanist and never forget this is a battle between humanity and anti-humanity and so butler you'll see is a very very creepy bond villain type guy but he has had high levels of access to the white house on some of his projects He has partnered with Keith Alexander, former head of the NSA, of which Keith Alexander is a direct partner of his on a cybersecurity, cybersecurity company. And then Keith Alexander now sits on the board of AI Foundation. So ask yourself why the former head of the NSA and why a former president, Barack Obama, would want to be involved with any company that is going to to make deep fake AI-powered replicas of real humans, why a former president would even allow himself to be cloned, digitally cloned, and why the former head of the NSA, whose job was to protect us from terrorists during his reign, terrorists, are involved with people like Lars Butler. But then what we're going to do is then break down Lars Butler, his other connection, which I believe I was the first to ever stumble upon after we were invited to work on this project, and I did research on it to find out who AI Foundation was and who Lars Butler was, and so I called Maria Albanese, the co-host on the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays on Paine.tv, and we did a bunch of research. This goes back three or four years ago, and the next thing you know, Lars Butler was connected to General Michael Flynn on a little company called IP3, which was set up to sell nuclear reactors to Saudi Arabia 
and then dump the waste in Russia. And so Maria and I started delving deep into this, putting all these connections together. This is after Flynn was thrown out of the Trump White House. And then we stumbled upon congressional investigation into this, including texts and emails from Michael Flynn and others in the Trump White House showing the commissions they were going to be paid to sell these nuclear reactors to Saudi Arabia and send the waste material to Russia. And we said, what the hell is this? Now, with the entire Trump-Russia show going on, I call it a show, we wondered why it was never used. In fact, it was investigated by the uh, Democrat congressman led the committee, the late Elijah Cummings, no fan of Donald Trump. And we said, why isn't this being used to help take down Donald Trump? Well, it wasn't until one, two weeks ago when the Trump raid happened. And then all of a sudden, IP3 started to surface. And Maria talked about it on the Thomas Paine podcast two Fridays ago. That it came back up. And so tomorrow, I will do a show on AI Foundation Lars Butler, and begin to touch on IP3, which will lead me into a show where I will review Elijah Cummings' report. Not that I'm a fan or ever was a fan of Elijah Cummings, but it's important that you guys see this because it will further help you open other people's eyes into the fact that this mind-twinning stuff is happening and that Donald Trump is connected to these type of people and that stop following these fake leaders and start to carve out a future for yourself. There are no leaders that are leading you to, to the promised land. None of these people love you. That is my common theme. The government does not love you. Elon Musk does not love you. Donald Trump does not love you. Joe Biden does not love you. Peter Thiel, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, Ray Kurzweil, Yuval Harari, Klaus Schwab. None of these people love you. And if you think they love you, if Dr. Fauci loved you, he would not be retiring at the end of December, as we just heard will happen. They do not love you. They are here to abuse you, and they are here to destroy you. And maybe they will destroy you while I take this short break. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Pain.tv. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. We are back from the break and we are ready to rock and roll. And we are ready to take the fight to Elon Musk and the technocrats. This morning... My wife and I went over to the midwifery that uh, we hired to take care of my wife and to deliver our baby in late October, and it was amazing. Every time I go, 
every few weeks I get to hear, you know, my baby's heart beat inside of my wife's beautiful, round, magical love belly. And it's the most amazing sound in the world. And that is what is driving me to do this show and to lay out all of the information that I have learned and gathered over the last 15 years of my life. I've produced other people's shows. I have been guests on shows. I've co-hosted shows, but I never really wanted to do my own show because I knew that I would have to also produce it and promote it because I want everything done as close to perfect as possible. But when Mike approached me, Mike Moore of the Thomas Paine podcast, Paine.tv, with doing a show instead of just coming on once every three months and being a guest, I said, you know, I've got a baby on the way and I want to lay down a record uh, for my child of what the world was and that way they can compare it to what it is when they are 12, 13, 14, 15, 18 years old. And so that is one of the reasons why I do this. And when I hear my baby's heartbeat, it drives me to get on the microphone and lay down this content. So it is for you, it is for me, but it's really, really for my child. And so on this episode, as I said, we are doing the final chapter of the Elon Musk Neuralink series. Now, That's not to say I'm not going to bring it up again or get into different elements of it, but the idea was to put this together in multiple parts for you because I think it is one of the most important pieces of, I would say it's, I call it a bridge technology. Uh, We are in the middle of what Klaus Schwab calls the force industrial revolution. And so we are also in the middle of transitioning from natural life to this technological metaverse life. And so this AI chip that's going to be drilled into your skull, and I believe generally with technology that the government and their puppet companies, their front men, public relations spokesmen like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and the rest of these people like Bill Gates that they put out in front of us, out in the public, out on television, to talk about these technologies, to make them hip and to make them cool and to uh, push forward adoption campaigns for them. I believe that they are way, 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 way further ahead with the technology than what they present to us. So we know DARPA, uh, we know NASA, we know different branches of the military and intelligence organizations within the government are developing these technologies. And so I believe they get them ready, they get them prepped, they know what they're going to be, they have them ready, and then they roll them out through companies like Apple and IBM and Google and Microsoft and Amazon and such to make them hip and make them cool and introduce them to the public. And we see them in movies 
which part of the movies are predictive programming to get you ready for the Dick Tracy watch to come out, where you can talk to someone on your Dick Tracy watch, where movies like The Matrix, that like, well, real life sucks. You have to eat muck on the ship, the Ebenezer, but in The Matrix, you can eat delicious steak and you could do kung fu. And then we actually see people like Elon Musk on Joe Rogan Experience talking about how his brain chip will be just like the matrix. If you want to learn a new language, you run a program and a minute later you can speak another language. So they make these things cool and they make them hip and they help push them into the American lexicon and get unsuspecting people to adopt them. That's what Minecraft was all about. That's why Bill Gates owns Minecraft. Minecraft, I know personally kids that were addicted, they might still be, to Minecraft. Literally going on their iPad or their phone or computer into their second life, their digital world, where in crappy pixel block form it looks like anyone my age i'm 41 that played atari games as a kid it looks like that that you go into this world there's no levels there's no winning you just build a mansion and build a pond in the ground and i had kids i knew that literally this one kid thought uh he was into um, fish and into the ocean and I said to him, uh, hey, you ever go scuba diving? He was 13 years old at the time. And he said, yeah, I've been scuba diving. And this was a, a chubby, goofy kid. I'm thinking, where do they even have a scuba suit that would fit this little pudge ball? And he said, yeah, oh, yeah, I've been scuba diving. I said, wow, that's amazing because I, uh, I was going to you know, offer um, to set him up with someone I knew for, for scuba lessons. And... I get into this conversation and it took 15, 20 minutes before I even realized he had not ever been scuba diving in real life. He went scuba diving inside of Minecraft. But in his mind, it was real. He believed Minecraft was really his life. That living inside of this alternate world, this immersive video game, where he built this house that he loved... And he had a hole in the ground where he went scuba diving that that was actually real. He actually believed this. He thought the video game was real life, that Minecraft was an extension of his life. And at this point, five, six years ago, maybe seven years ago, they hadn't even pushed this concept of the metaverse as far forward as we see today which in some of the immersive worlds, you look more real. You wear a VR headset, a virtual reality, or an AR headset, augmented reality, and you literally feel like you're walking around in a world, in a 3D world. They didn't have that. This was on a phone. This was on a tablet. This was on a video game. His parents thought he was just playing a game. He was in their building. They actually convinced parents to believe it was like Legos, where the kids were learning how to construct things, and it was going to help them become engineers or architects later in life. Just like Roblox, another one of these sort of second-life worlds. And so Bill Gates had bought Minecraft. What do you think they were doing with that? They were doing testing the whole time on these kids using them as guinea pigs to develop what would later become what we're starting to see now as this metaverse. 
And so the concept, just like the matrix, is that they are going to make life, real life, natural life, so miserable for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, or seniors who they're testing virtual reality and augmented reality goggles on in senior centers already because their lives are miserable if they have broken hips, they can't get out of bed, and they're putting them into these digital metaverses And they're going to make life so miserable for them. I keep talking about the pod life, forcing them to live in 400 square foot pods. I just found out when I was in Poland, over in Germany now, there's a lot of young people basically moving into these four or 500 square foot studio apartments with, with parking included, furniture included, everything. It makes it easy for about 450 euros a month. That's about $450 a month. So why, if you're younger and you're not making a lot of money, you would say no to that. So that's the beginning of introducing these people to the pod life. And then once you're living in that pod, in that four or 500 square foot apartment, which now that I see it's real life, remember I kept talking about the 400 square foot pods? So this is the beginning of it. You're going to be living in this pod. Your life's going to be miserable. But you're going to be able to put on your VR goggles and go into the metaverse. And that's where you're going to go to work, work in quotes. Because what kind of work are you really going to be doing in the metaverse? And then one of the things that Klaus Schwab talks about in the book, The Force Industrial Revolution, which we're going to do a full review on that here and unpack that book for you, is 3D printing, which came on the scene 10 years ago. But essentially, everyone is going to have a 3D printer in their pod. And when you need a cup or a mug like I'm holding up now, you're going to 3D print the mug. And then when you're done, you melt it back down into the 3D printer. And if you need a fork, it'll print you the fork. And eventually, they're already doing it in labs There's food on the shelves in the store right now, technically, that could be 3D printed that you wouldn't even know about, that they're going to be 3D printing food. And they're going to be 3D printing, they're already 3D printing organs. You'll be able to 3D print body parts. That all falls in line to the biological and non-biological body suits that Ray Kurzweil and Elon Musk and others talk about. And so the job is to make your life miserable like in the Matrix, in the natural world, living in a hole in the ground down in Sion, the village of the humans, or living on the battleship, the Ebuchadnezzar, where you eat basically oatmeal mush and drink prison wine that tastes like gasoline. And so, just like Klaus Schwab says, you'll be eating bugs, And you will love it. You will own nothing and you will love it. You will own nothing but the 3D printer and you'll be renting the pod. And then they even have plans in Fourth Industrial Revolution in the future that you will own nothing. Everything you need will be gig-based, delivered to your door and rented. You need a toaster, you can't 3D print it, you rent it for the day. This is literally the future they have planned and that's how they're going to force people into the metaverse. And that's how they're going to get you to upload your consciousness so that you have an avatar mind twin that can work inside of the metaverse. And they even sell it. You will see this through the Peace on AI Foundation. 
that your avatar could become your second life, your mind twin, that can operate and do all of these mundane tasks for you inside of the metaverse without you even having to do it. So what are you doing? They want to sell you on this concept of laziness. You're going to lay around and eat Twinkies, 3D printed Twinkies. You're going to lay around and eat 3D printed Reese's Pieces peanut butter cups all day while your your mind twin, your your personal AI slave will be doing all of your un- mundane tasks inside of the metaverse. It's a lie. And eventually, in the next week or two, we're going to get into the technologies and the companies behind turning humans into battery power in order to power the AI metaverse and utilizing human DNA as hard drives because they've showed that DNA can store more data than anything else they've ever built. So humans will be utilized as storage drives, and batteries to power the AI world, to power the metaverse. This is real. It's actually real. And so that's what they're working towards. So you see, that's what humans are going to become, is batteries and storage drives. Even Bill Gates, and this is real, I've looked at it, has a patent in which they give you tokens to complete certain tasks that utilizes your energy to mine cryptocurrencies. It's complicated, and that's why that's probably going to have to be a whole entire show by itself. But that's what's going to happen. You're going to go into your Minecraft, go into your Roblox, go into your Second Life Metaverse, your drug of choice, You're going to have a VR headset. You're going to do tasks inside. You're going to be rewarded with tokens that you can use to buy things in the metaverse, build your digital house in the metaverse, while they are utilizing your energy and your DNA to store data and to power this AI metaverse for them. Folks, that is the original movie, The Matrix. And you're going to see how in the last version of The Matrix, they actually now have the humans partnering with the AI and robots coming up with this theme that there are certain robots and certain AI that are actually friendly to humans and they're going to help humans. So the entire movie franchise was flipped upside down and instead of the robots and ai being enemies now there's good robots and good ai and the humans eventually actually merge with them so we're gonna break that down uh maybe friday show i'm going to do that right now i'm going to step out into the matrix on this quick break i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you're listening to pain.tv you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. 